Hello and welcome to episode four of the Oodcast. Hi. Hello. Hello. And that was Chris, Chris and Andy and I'm Laura. And today we'll be discussing the waters of Mars. (laughs) Can I do my water impression? Go on. That's actually really, really convincing. Thank you. Now, I have to say that quite a while through watching the episode, uh, Laura was sat next to me behind the cushion. But, yeah, for but, about sixty percent of the episode, I was behind my cushion. You Which, were you were drinking at the same time though, <laughs> so your your fear may not have been quite as. I was <laughs> drinking the apple juice oh, of Mars. Thank goodness for that. You would so have hid okay. behind the sofa were it not for the fact that the sofa is against the wall. That's right. Yeah. That's correct. Yeah. <laughs> that was for most much of my childhood watching of Doctor Who. It was the same thing. I remember having to grab hold of my dad instead of get behind the sofa because it was too close to the wall. However, I think if I tried to do that for this one, um, it really wouldn't have worked because for this episode in particular, oh my goodness, the most atmospheric, compelling, frightening and beautiful score I think that there's been yet on the episodes. And also there's a radiator behind our sofa, so the water would uh, is basically delivered to you. So it's the worst place to be. <laughs> Thanks, Chris. <laughs> yep. So a scary episode? I, I thought it was. I thought it was very good. It was. Um, it was very claustrophobic. It was. It was back to sort of quite a staple setting in classic Doctor Who, wasn't it? It was. It was a mm. a base on an alien planet. Base under siege. It, it was back to the sort of yeah the 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 bulkhead. Typical thriller. RTD humans on a space station. I was saying it's very very derivative of the Impossible Planet. That same sort of crew. Forty two as well. Forty two. Silence in the library to some extent with the crew coming in. This sort of humans away from Earth. It's becoming a little bit deja vu-y now for me. Mm. I don't think that's a problem because it allows you to identify with and really explore the group dynamic of the people who are trapped. And there's the whole put some jeopardy in a situation and people's true character emerge. And I think that the, the interplay between all of the different people in the group comes out very, very quickly. And their personalities are revealed there's a, there's a different too. dynamic to start with as well because the doctor kind of turns up not really caring where he is in fact he's really happy to be on what is obviously mars and he sort of comes out the tires with a big grin walks into the space station into a quarry yeah. into <laughs> a quarry that they've colored digitally red brilliant but and, and when he's introduced uh, when he's um interrogated rather on the, on the space station they ask him what's your your name rank and and purpose for being here, he just says the doctor, doctor, doctor. fun. fun. <laughs> <laughs> I love all the the character stuff. It's really impressive in this. Uh, you've got the doctor just wanting to explore, to have a look round, and then he's very excited by what he finds on the base. It's humans getting out there amongst the stars, putting it together, sort of nuts and bolts, kind of like it's almost like an IKEA kind of flat pack base. Ah, <laughs> oh, it's you know, it's just so real. Um, and you've also, you've got the reason of why Captain Adelaide 
flew up above the world. So you've got that lovely scene with her and the Doctor at some point where he's saying, so was it worth it? You know, I, I, I think I sense why you did it, but was it worth it? And she said, oh, yes. Oh, it was. And that kind of character stuff is so Russell T. Davis and so imbued all the way through this series, the, the new series, as they call it. When Andrew says it's so Russell T. Davis, he means that as a compliment, because mm. I know a lot of fans think so Russell T. Davis is a bad thing. But we at the Oodcast... We don't we don't take RTD's name in vain, do we? No, no especially no. not on an episode that wasn't written by Russell T Davis. <laughs> Is it? Was it completely? Well, I mean, no, his fingerprints are over he does everything. Rewrite he did the rewriting. Yeah, yeah. Do you yeah, think he did sorry. the thing where? The only straight line is sunlight. Oh, no, oh that great line! That's a lovely line, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. And I love the whole international space race. The, the, oh, it must be the Philippines, or, was or the it, Independence. Yeah, or was yeah. it the the Branson, the Branson Inheritance yeah. Fund? <laughs> I, I mean, cards on the table here. I've gone on record before now saying that I hated this episode, and I realise now that I don't hate the episode. I hate the ending of the episode and uh, just some of the treatment of it, uh, which we will come to. But actually watching it for a second time i have to say that there were some fantastic moments in it the character work is brilliant and also the monster is phenomenal practical makeup prosthetic monster there's something uh, what's the word there's something really visceral visceral is Mm. exactly the Mm. word about actually having it there the black tongue the water cascading out the cracked lips it's just it, brilliant it's character the ultimate, design for me the ultimate in body horror the the body being taken over so completely the the water takes it over and it multiplies to the extent where it's just pouring out of everywhere and you can almost for, forgive it, it's basically just a retread of silence in the library oh it's in the shadows mm-hmm. it's in the water yeah. it's taking us over one by one it's a it's a just a complete retread but I mean, the, I don't think it's a well, no, it's no. Not. The concept well, is an exact. You, you almost get a sense that they've tried to separate it with the whole the the one drop thing. Whereas the science in the library, it has to be a a shadow. You have to not just a little fleck of darkness. It has to be a shadow. With this, just the one drop falls on the guy's face and yeah, he changes. But that's derivative but, of Twenty Eight Days Later. It's, it's even down to who, so. even <laughs> down to the camera shots that, they I use. I never will. But I just thought the the key moments at how. You know, everybody shakes in that horrible, uncontrollable, epileptic way. And and then the the difference in the movements of the people who are infected and the, the slow, deliberate way they move. It's very evocative of the, water the as first, well. The first change when Andy changes into the monster, that's brilliant. Yes, the way out he's of focus in the background. He's always out of focus. And then he whirls around. That's a proper, proper scare. Did, really did anyone scare. else cry? I cried. Two things made me cry. Um, <laughs> I admit no. it. <laughs> Go on. Was this one the... of them when Laura stood on your foot? <laughs> uh, okay, three times. Um, there's the death of the um, Eastern European woman. She's trapped yeah. in, the, in the little, I don't know, sick bay area. And she's watching a video of her kids or her little sisters or something. Kids, and yeah. she's, you know, she's she leaning against the screen. There's and then nowhere to go. And it's just, and then she's, she's doing the whole shaking thing as she changes with that video playing. And it's mm-hmm. just, no, that's not nice at all. And the other bit that made me cry Can was, I just say yes. the bit that took me out of that moment is that the smaller kid on the video that she's watching 
does like a forward roll yes. over the sofa, <laughs> totally smacks this other child actor in the back with her feet. And I thought if that I was an actual kid, was... she would have turned around and clocked her. No, I think that was brilliant. Nearly I think jolted that was a her little, off the seat. Real. And you could yeah. tell this other actor was be- desperately trying to do the whole, I'm talking to my mommy. No, I don't thing. think so. I think it's, I've seen like older siblings and younger ones who are just sort of cavorting around the place. That seemed like a yeah. good bit of acting to yeah. me. That that seemed quite real to me, uh, and the other bit that made me made me shed a tear was um, the the doctor walking away from tragedy, walking away from the from doom. He, he can't do anything, but he can hear it all going on in his yeah. headphones in his spacesuit. He can hear mm. each person being affected by the water. He can hear the space station starting to fall apart around him, and with each scream. His eyes, you know, his brow furrows, but he's powerless. He knows he can't stop this happening. Now, you see, that's that's the thing. It, it didn't make me cry, but it it kind of left me a bit breathless because every time you go over there, the, the, the drama, the tragedy of it is so much enhanced by the fact that you can't see it and you can hear it and see the reaction on the doctor's face that every time they go back into the space station and they show these people running around like headless chickens trying to move things and, cha- and and fix things, it just, that, for me, kind of ruined it a bit because you can never make it as atmospheric as it will be in the Doctor's hearing. Yeah, David Tennant is, um, I, I would say, a once-in-a-generation kind of talent, actually. Mm. He's, he's really just brilliant and... It's the little moments that show that more than he can do the kind of exuberant brain firing on all cylinders, putting together connections and running about the place. He can do that in his sleep now, but he also is a master of the of the tiny little Highly moments. Highly nuanced yeah. actor. Yeah. And he, he, just a little look in his eye, just the tiniest thing uh, can tell a huge story. It's not just that either. You get to see this quite well in the episode, the way he handles the whole, oh, I'm going to leave now. I really am good. Mm. All right, I'll come with you. And usually that's a really cliched, repeated idea that just doesn't work and it looks a bit naff. And you just think, well, you planned to stay. You were just saying you were going to go to make things better in your head. And he obviously wants to go and he's trying to leave and his face reflects all of that. And that's an incredibly difficult thing to do properly, to to let everybody watching know that's what's going through your head. I think maybe... um... Maybe because I blurted it out at the beginning. I really want to talk a bit more about the, the soundscape of it. Even down to the Maggie when she first makes the transformation and speaks. And basically it sounds like somebody speaking through a mouthful of water. Mm. And I thought that was really, really clever. Was that all done in one take as well? Like when she changes? It looked like it. So yeah, presumably, her she's head's talking hanging about down. The, so uh, presumably, unless when her head hanged down, a makeup artist came and affixed prosthetics, then that one shot is CGI when she comes back up and you see the change out of focus. Maybe. If which so, it's very unobtrusive and very good CGI. Mm. Mm-hmm. But that's. I'd like it if they did have a dwarf makeup artist on a trampoline. <laughs> so when she put her head down, it bounced up, whoosh, put on the prosthetics, <laughs> dropped out of sight again. Nice. The sound design I thought was very, very well thought out. And in particular, the choral work towards the end of the episode the was very, very moving mm. indeed. And and I don't know if anybody else noticed, but at the point where um, the Doctor is talking about how he is the last of the Time Lords and you see him amongst all the rubble getting ready to leave um, and then deciding he's not, there's a faint snatch of Rose's theme that comes in over oh. the top of the music. I didn't notice that. Yep. I didn't notice yep. that. Yep, there's a little bit of Rose that... 
Do you think that was there to, I don't know, in his head perhaps, kind of what would Rose do? She wouldn't walk or away. Or it could be that's the other thing that he's had to walk away from. Mm. Or, or it could just be Murray Gold thinking, oh, I've forgotten to score this. Run out of ideas. On the evidence of the rest of the episode, I'm going to say no. No one except a very musically sharp person in New Malden is going to know that. <laughs> Talking of which, we've had several emails about how good our theme tune is. And I don't think we've ever credited it to Laura. Um, Laura, of course, doing the acoustic version of the Doctor Who theme tune. She just sung it through six times. In, and and just created and that, which is pretty brilliant, amazing. I have it's to say, very, very. Oh, shut We've had very positive. Thank you. What what I didn't think was quite so good. Nothing to do with you. So don't oh, worry. it's all right. Is in the music, the bits that really jarred with me was the running, the the horribly exaggerated Baywatch-style puffing your chest out, <laughs> I like waving that your bit. arms around. Yeah, and the yeah, bike, and the bike joke didn't work. I love the bite joke. Didn't, didn't, didn't work. It, it I thought a, it followed on from the ecological argument a bit earlier about Adelaide was saying. 50 years of what climate change and so forth. And then you go back to bikes. I'm not sure that the ecological damage you can do by building massive rockets and flying to <laughs> Mars will be off st- <laughs> will be um, kind of leveled by using bikes. When you using get bikes. Yeah, it's, carbon, it's not fun. Carbon it's just offsetting. pollution. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, okay. And my last sound design point, which is maybe a little bit of a fanny point at the last moment where Dr. Who is standing in the TARDIS contemplating whether or not he has overstepped the boundaries and just as he and just as he loses all vestiges of self-control there's a bit with the cloister bell going off in the background Mm. signaling the end of time itself but then he goes off on holiday there uh, there was a very nice moment that being um i i mentioned it i think in the in our first episode I like the Ice Warriors quite a lot, and there was a really nice mention of them, that the ancient civilization on Mars buried under the ice or made a civilization in mm. snow, he said, didn't he? I thought that was a really nice touch. And they're the ones that, whatever this thing is, whatever this parasitic monster is, they're the ones that vanquished it the first time around. Mm. Or were they? Did the ice, is that why the Ice Warriors left Mars? Because of the horrible water flood thing? Maybe they had to leave. I think oh, this is getting into high geek territory, I think, which I'm Careful, probably steady. not not going to uh, equip myself particularly well due to bad memory. Have a go, go on. I think the reason they, they had to kind of freeze themselves or leave was because the atmosphere on the planet changed and became too hot for them. Um, because of a flood? I don't know. Who knows? Mm. <laughs> Interesting. It could have caused a flood, so it could have been the cause of this. Ooh. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. The ice melting. Yeah. Uh-huh. Global warming is dangerous. It's bad. Climate change is bad. <laughs> it's not global warming these days, is it? We no. Climate change. That's right. Maybe we should rename this as an inconvenient ood. <laughs> <laughs> or an inconvenient flood. <laughs> that would be brilliant. There is an inconvenient ood at the end. There You're is. going to die. <laughs> oh, that's inconvenient. I'll go off on holiday for 100 years <laughs> and name a galaxy Andrea or whatever it was. And shag Queen Elizabeth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> we'll talk about that next week, shall we? Uh, I've got down written destiny. There's a lot of destiny going on. 
<laughs> there is a whole lot of destiny going <laughs> Isn't on. Isn't there just? <laughs> Honestly, you can't throw a stone in this episode there without is. hitting some destiny. There is nothing sweeping about that statement, Andy. <laughs> Do you want to go I'm into more detail? So. No, I, complete, I completely agree with Andy. Um, pocket explanation of time and fixed moments and the idea of the differential between flux and fix oh, and we're what going must always now. happen and what, what shouldn't happen ever. Um, was very, very sort of prescient. And then there's this fantastic dialogue where Doctor Who is... The Doctor. In the, doctor. The, doctor the Doctor is in the airlock oh, waiting to see scene. whether or mm. not he's going to be able to walk away or not. And uh, the woman, uh, Captain Adelaide Brooke, tries threats, she tries pressure. But all the time there's this fabulous dialogue of the sort of the weight of the knowledge that he has, the sort of crushing inevitability of knowing that apocalypse and genocide is still going to happen and there are certain moments that he can't erase the inevitability of, of that and it's very compelling makes him it? it makes mm. him it makes him have to harden his heart he has to be cruel and yet this iteration of the doctor is not so yeah therein lies mm. the big change and it's a very compelling moment where you see the doctor stood there with his space suit over his arm and his, uh, the space helmet in his hand and he's like i can't do anything i'm you've never i don't think we've ever seen the doctor helpless before i can't think of any other time and then in slow motion he turns and walks away because if he stays he's going to go up with the base and i he guess can't stop it happening the closest thing is tom baker in Genesis of the Daleks, mm. where he could touch two mm. wires together and destroy the Daleks completely. And then there's that wonderful speech about but all the races that have joined forces, who have come together because of the tyranny, because of the evil. Who am I mm. to touch these two wires mm. together? Or and do and I wipe even that have the right yeah. to, to destroy a species? But there is a, there is a difference between those two. Because I guess in Genesis of the Daleks, it's still the same sort of... Um, all the way through the history of the program, his his reaction to those kind of situations are: I have to give you a choice. You have to choose to let me stop this, or make me stop you. And Genesis of the Dark, they don't have a choice because they're mm. just sort of experiments growing in pots. They don't have a choice, so maybe that's what stops him. In in this, he does have a choice, but it's not the same kind of choice. It's whether or not he should betray what he knows he should do. Well, this is. This is where we're getting into, and this is the thing that makes me dislike the episode in the end. We're getting into that sort of area, so I'll sort of get off my chest how I see it. We're talking about a fixed point in time, and I mean, I've always seen the doctors being able to have extra senses. He's able to see, he talks about time being in flux, and a time will be able to see that. And he talks about it first in the new series in uh, Father's Day. He says, You know, the time's very weak here. You we know the Doctor has some extra senses that allow him to perceive the flow of time somehow. So the first thing that I'm a little bit, I don't quite get, is how come he, as soon as he walks out of the TARDIS, he doesn't realise that these this is one of those times. He should, as a time lord, be able to know that this is a fixed point in time. Hmm. Well, there's, there's a readout in the TARDIS, isn't there, that tells him what date it is. <laughs> 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 and he can't remember everything. He, no, no, but I think it's an actual... He has extra perception. He can see time. Yeah, but I suppose, you know, you wouldn't have a story then, would you? He wouldn't be able to do... There'd be so much that he'd never do because he'd just, like, go, oh, oh no, I can't go there. Better not go there. Better not um, tread on that leaf because it will cause this to happen. I think they've 
dip to toe in this territory of really like temporal paradoxes and stuff they haven't given us a good enough explanation for instance his way to solve it is to take her to earth which does completely he says i can't do anything it's a law it's a fixed point in time i can't and then he does well he says because he um, is the final arbiter he is the doctor he decides what goes and what doesn't and he is the last of the Time Lords. The Time Lords are the custodians of time. Yeah. He is the sole custodian of time. But when we say the laws of time, do we mean a law like no littering law? Do we, a lo- do we mean a law like mm. the law of gravity? Mm. I mean, what we don't well, know. Well, considering do we? that so much about the Time Lords is about pomp and ceremony and circumstance, do you <laughs> not maybe think that perhaps some of their laws about time, which they, as, as we discover later on in the series, are perfectly prepared to flout? are not able to be in a state of flux too. Mm, maybe a lot of them are ceremonial. Maybe a lot of them are, this is how it should be done, in a kind of, I don't know, a kind of old-fashioned um, how Parliament is run kind of thing. You know, because the, the, the guards in Parliament still wear gaiters and have swords, don't they? Mm-hmm. And you kind of like, when Parliament was broken into by those uh, protesters a couple of years ago, these guys with swords dashed after them. I was like, where are the police with the guns? <laughs> I was like, maybe that's the Time Lord sort of law kind of thing. You should do it this way. But actually, it doesn't matter if you don't. But if that's weird. So if that's the case, if it's just like a law, like a let's say a traditional law, something that has been passed down, then how can the Doctor have got so far walking away with all these death ringing his ears if it literally was just mm, so a part of be, his history? I think it has yeah, to be a fundamental be law like of the universe. Newtonian physics, and he it? feels like, as the last time where he can bend the laws of the universe, he can bend them to his will. And of course, the mm. universe fights back in the end. Uh, by, but well, I mean, it his, fights his, back. Uh, his his um, air, um, space helmet breaks doesn't it you know the, the universe is time is fighting back because it destroys his space helmet and uh, the spaceship is compromised um and the doctor explains fixed point in time as being a, uh, an issue of cause and effect he talks about how adelaide's death on mars results in her granddaughter going off up into the sky like she's trying to meet you like she's trying to That's find right. you or f- trying to find out what happened um which is the whole problem I've got with um, the ending. With the ending, yeah. But he gets ah, oh, the moment that he realizes he can change all this and it's up to him. It's quite thrilling because he's sort of he, he's sort of almost back to his old self. But then you realize that he's, he's gone said, mad. He, says, he, he becomes that, an anti-hero. Yeah, that, I, that's, he almost becomes the master. Well, he like, says yeah. he says that line that is very master-esque, isn't it? When he he says the laws of time are mine and they yes. will obey. Yes, me. that's very master. Which is that's for, for the doctor to, to say that is ridiculous. But don't so, you think the progression from him being the doctor we all know and the respect, thrilling, yeah, and it's just a tiny, that turn. slightly mastery mm-hmm. thing. Don't you think that character progression through all of that horrible stuff that he can hear when he's walking away, that he has no option because he cares so much as a person. He has no option but to go back and to save them, even though it means breaking the laws of time. And then he like, it's thrilling for him and he he becomes this arrogant, horrible sort of... I don't like seeing him like that. I think Mm. that's one of the things. And secondly, I don't think that Denouement works in that she shoots herself... But she's still found on Earth, which would... 
by no, it any says she died on Mars. No, no, it changes, it changes to at Earth. The, end, the word changes, oh, changes to Earth. So she's news flashes changed. Uh, um, those all those flashes of yeah, the that website was, that was that awful. Was but anyway, um, she's found on Earth she, by any stretch of human technology at that time there was no way she could be on earth at that time so there's that first of all then there's the fact that she's obviously died by her own hand and i know the other two tell of you know sort of oh she was brave and she was saving the earth but she wasn't she was just someone who a bit of a loony who activated the base when they had a way out of there and that's not inspirational at all so the if time was able to find a course through and still be the same at the end of it all Surely time could have found a way through with her surviving mm, what, and teaching the grandchild. What I thought that she doesn't showed, need to have called, killed herself. What I thought that bit showed with with the flashes of the website wasn't that the doctor hadn't what he'd done didn't change anything. It showed to me. It showed that it wasn't him that changed that that decided what, how things run. It was the little people. So because it was them who told everybody how Adelaide Brooks saved the Earth. So effectively, it was them that inspired her granddaughter to go on and do what she did. So it wasn't the doctors doing it at all that actually kept the timeline intact. And that's probably, I think, why he realises that he's gone too far. That and the fact that an ood turns up. <laughs> <laughs> I've got to take, I've like got to take yeah. umbrage at the, just a loony who, types, who taps it in with the base um, to blow up the base when they've got the way out. At that point, they still didn't. She had no way of knowing. Yeah, no, I know. The but there and I'm talking about how history would judge her. It at the point, it does. But now that they did get home and they they are now on Earth, then she's not an inspirational figure. What has she done out of that whole thing that was inspirational? She has. She, has she shot herself. No, no, no. She has curbed the Time Lord triumphant. Yeah, she has. She has but demonstrated how, to him that he talking. doesn't have that kind of finite power. Well, he, I, yeah, he she, can't she's demonstrated it to him. That's what I'm saying. But I'm talking about what she demonstrated to someone who's just reading the paper. Mm. How is she still a brilliant, respected well, historical I, even figure? Even on a more basic someone level, who's killed herself in her home for no reason. Even on a more basic level, she stopped a deadly infection reaching Earth, which could mm. probably have killed the world's population very quickly. And, and that's had to kind sacrifice of her crew, which could uh, drive somebody to. I'm with extremes. Laura on this. I'm I'm, I'm seeing Laura's point. Uh, uh, although I, I I also agree with Chris, but what Laura's saying is that she um, is teaching the Doctor a lesson by shooting herself. But the 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 so-called little people go off and tell the story and show that she was a hero. And maybe her granddaughter is still inspired by that story and she no longer wants to go up and meet to find her, but she wants to go up and continue her grandmother's work. Absolutely, because she makes the point, who gets to decide who are the little people and who are mm, the important people and it's not you. I'm agreeing that she is quite, like, for doing that, if she thinks that she's writing time by killing herself, that's very brave, and showing the doctor something, that's very good. I think she is doing that. you don't. Why no, she I think she's. Why I she, think, what's the I, thought in her head when she puts? I think she's saying this will show that victorious Time Lord. I don't think she's that petty. No, I, I, I think there is probably part of that, but I think it's because she realizes what he's done is wrong, and she wants what he's told her to be true. Yeah, but I don't see how the thought process for her would be. Oh, this is going to make everything right. Me mm. lying dead in my flat—that's going to make time right again. I don't know. No, she does I, that way. no I, th- I think I was supposed to die. He told me that because I die, my granddaughter went on and did this. I have to die today. Otherwise, none of that will happen. But it's the circumstances of the death. It's not just the no, fact no, no, she yeah. died. I, I, I agree it, with you on that. Yeah. 
I, that doesn't make sense at all. I think no. Laura's point is that she accepts that time has been rewritten and um, maybe... trying to make the best of it. No, I think that she accepts that that's all changed now, but this doctor needs to be shown a lesson. Uh, her, you know, Absolutely. Horrific as that is. Because she says, and nobody can stop you. And he goes, no one. And she goes, is there anything you can't do? And he says, no. We know that's not true. He can't, re- we, he can't revisit his own timeline and correct his own mistakes. He can't do that. She doesn't know he that. He can't man. bring people who are dead back to life, who are on his own timeline. Well, I think that's the point. He can, because he's the mm. only Time Lord. He's mm. the only one he that's going to be able that. to tell him that's wrong. If he can break that law, yeah. he can break any law. He's discovered he can break the laws by at, saving them. At that her. point, he no, which, which, in fact, which particular Time Laws that have been exemplified before in the series did he break this time round all he did was save three people he didn't revisit himself he didn't do anything no but he's saying that there were fixed points in time and that the time lords kept them sacred and that's what he broke mm. sacred or sacrosanct well, yeah. i don't know just something that but they we all know that the sacred can be very easily proved to be profane what does that mean? Okay, you can, you can... You're saying which rules did he break and we're telling you it's these rules that he broke and then you're going, but, but they're stupid rules. But we've established that the Time Lords have still got the whole ceremony, pomp and... No, they're dead. Time Lords don't exist at the moment. So, yeah, of course he doesn't need to follow them. No. And, and so, the whole idea of a sacrosanct moment, a perfect moment from which all other moments evolve could be very much a Time Lord thing. Whereas revisiting and seeing yourself and correcting your own mistakes could be an actual, this is going to rip a hole in the fabric of reality. He was saying that bringing her back, that changing the fixed point was going to do that too. He was saying, I can't do anything about it. He walked away. There must have been grave consequences to allow him to do that. Well, we'll find out if um, next episode we get the flapping, (laughs) leathery, time-sucky dinosaur vampire thing. This is what I'm saying. It's, this is why I'm angry about this episode, because it doesn't hold to any of the laws that Doctor Who has ever had before now. It's just... Oh, you pedant. Russell T. Davis has just decided in this episode to ignore everything, and but his, his solution, which he thinks is clever, doesn't make any sense Actually, and really think, annoys me. Yeah, overall, Chris, I agree with you there. I think that the ending is uh, really contentious. And the thing is, and it's so easy. He could He could have... All she had to do was destroy herself, kill herself in such a way that it appeared that she still perished on the base. And that would have been really dark because she would have had to also have killed the other two people who came back with her. The only way to have absolutely righted the timeline so it was appeared exactly the same would have been to somehow vaporise all three of them. So as far as the world was concerned, they all still perished on mm. that Mars base, then the timeline would be at a perceptual level exactly the same. And that would have been, I would have been fine with that. And it would have been a really dark and very interesting mm. thing. But just to have an old lady shoot herself in her flat with absolutely no sense of honour or having achieved anything, because at the end of the day, it was the doctor that stopped them and the doctor who got the people out. I Isn't don't that think. part of the darkness of it? No, I just think it's it's weak and she has a shown herself boring. to be she's shown herself to be a perfect exemplary leader. He's constantly saying how much he loves her, respects her, wishes he could be more like her. What she's doing is basically to give the lie to 
the all-powerful, almighty doctor. She is basically saying, you can't control me. You can't decide who today. lives or dies. I will die and there is nothing you can do to prevent it. Yeah, the, sort of the laws of time might obey you, but I'm not going to kind of thing. In effect, she is being the quintessential human Rant, being random, basically, not yeah, and that's why the Doctor loves the race so much. You know, I feel that the ending is is really disappointing because it's not none of that is made clear for the viewer. I mean, we can assume it, and Laura has very intelligently come to that conclusion. Um, but I feel that this is territory that is just too dark for Doctor Who. See, I don't agree. I think Doctor Who should go dark. I love it when it goes dark. But when it, when it does, it needs to be rock solid in mm. what it's trying to do. Yeah. And I feel like the fact that we have so many opinions about it, it hasn't, it hasn't been clear enough. I mean, I'm just aware I'm coming across like one of those sort of mad fans. But honestly, it's just in terms of... I love this. I feel that there is a beautiful, dark, wonderful story to be told, and it just fell short. They didn't, they weren't brave enough with their choices. They weren't clear enough with their storytelling. And for me, it just didn't do what I think they mm. wanted it to do. I completely disagree. At the beginning of this series, we all came together and we said what we'd found from Doctor Who, what our favourite Doctor and episode was. And lo and behold, it was all completely different. And just as we were different in our opinions about the series, we've all come to different conclusions as to what the ending meant. And I think that's part of the magic of art, you know, that you can all read something, see something, and be differently affected by it. I, I agree with that completely, actually, yeah. Um, although I think I'm right. <laughs> <laughs> Hands up. Uh, wait, anybody who doesn't think they're right... No, no, no. Uh, and I agree, if it was that, if it was like a wonderful oh, kind of talking. image that was, that was you know, that, that, uh, that we Chris, could all take Chris, different we've things... we've made our point, though. We've all made our point. We've taken no, and things I, from it. No, and that's what I'm saying. If it was, uh, like, a great kind of ending that we could all discuss and take a point from but i think the reason that we all have different ideas is because it was unclear not because they were purposely trying to leave it mysterious point. I think ah, you're wrong and also think, <laughs> think <laughs> good, of the, good think, argument think of the kids it's a family show and i just i feel that that sort of area of of that kind of storytelling those issues and those themes you've got to be very yeah careful very clear maybe it could be done this complexity that comes from good storytelling, go, oh, well, I'll leave this. And so people can take their own conclusions. And this complexity comes from people who have just not thought it through. And mm. so and so we have to do the thinking. But then the problem also comes when people say things, sorry, Andy, like, think of the kids. I don't want to. I'm not a kid. <laughs> it didn't mean that to me. And if But it is a family I, show. I don't see, yeah, but I don't see why kids can't see stuff yeah. like that. There's no reason why they can't. It, like the point Laura made in a previous podcast, you kids have to see that to learn well i don't think you were saying that you were well, we did make that point in the first no. podcast that doctor who's always been a great show for showing kids uh, a way of understanding their fears of of um of being scared in a healthy way and dealing with big stuff you know the black and the white but also the gray stuff in between uh, good and bad you know but this is so, an ultimate case of that you know the mm. doctor is a complete authority figure 
This mm. is an authority figure who has gone off the rails, and this is our only way of challenging and him. And needs to Maybe be bitch slapped back that's into right. so by an old woman <laughs> shooting herself in the head are, with are, a gun. Are we saying we can now add corruption to our list of politically um, grown themes? Yeah, <laughs> got, absolute power can... corrupts absolutely. I mean, that is what is trying to be shown here. The, the doctor who's lived by code his whole life has dropped it for, for the right reason, I guess, for saving some people. But that drives him now to a point where he thinks that the universe needs to obey him. Mm-hmm. And he is not a survivor, but a winner. And, just... and as you say, that he becomes the master in, in mm-hmm. word and deed at the end. And maybe it's what comes next. And maybe I'm just, he well, doesn't I'm seem to pay for that. now because I'm thinking, oh my goodness. The Tenth Doctor's now got only two episodes to go. And I'm very excited by this big character change and what he's just done. And I want there to be consequences for him. Well, I'm sure the debate will continue long into the night. And um, if any of you have got your own thoughts about what we've talked about, please do send them in to us. We'd be love- It'll be great to hear from some of you. Um, come and join us again. We'll be discussing The End of Time, the first part of the final Two episodes of the specials. Doom, doom, doom. Bye, guys. Mm-hmm.